He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on the leader's cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the leader's cut. We have one of my great friends and somebody who's been working here. How long now? Uh, a little over seven years now. Seven years we've been running together. Time flies fast. This is Pastor Isaac Gross. He's our young adults pastor here at Pillar. And we're going to do something fun. Uh, I'm going to kind of pass the baton to him and let him run a little bit with this episode the way I kind of do with Timmy uh, because it's just more fun to do it like that. So whatever questions, whatever direction you want to go, uh, we all trust you'll be led by the Holy Spirit, but wherever yeah. you want to go, let's go. Yeah. Well, uh, I think when I look back, it's crazy to think I've been here for seven years. I haven't been anywhere that long ever before. And I look at a lot of the lessons that I've got to learn here from you and just even that the Lord's taught me in my life with having two kids as of recent. And uh, I think one of the things that I struggle with and also just it seems to be something the Lord's been working on me on is his idea of patience, especially as a young leader, even uh, having this call that you feel like God's given you. Um, and yet at the same time, understanding that it's when he says it's time that it's time. And so what what is what is patience to you? And what does that look like? And maybe what what role do you feel like patience plays in the life of a leader or just a person, any as a follower of Jesus in general? Yeah, well, a lot of questions related to that. What first thing I I would say, in answer to the question, what is patience? Here's the way I would describe patience: obedient waiting. Yeah, it it isn't a tolerance for not yet. I think that's the way a lot of people see patience. Yeah. Well, you just have to be willing to tolerate that it's not yet. That hope deferred makes the heart sick. So yeah. why does hope deferred make the heart sick? Because when you fixate, not just focus, but when you fixate on what you want that is not yet, you're going to be frustrated a lot of the time. Yeah. When I go back to, uh, you know, I mean, I kind of knew what I was going to do from the time I was 13. So there was a lot of waiting I, I was 20 years later is when I became a senior pastor. Um, but I, I would say I didn't have to be patient the entire time. The only time I had to be patient was when I wanted something he didn't want. And here's what I wanted that he didn't want. I wanted the timing. Yeah. We both wanted the same thing. Right. But where we wanted something different, I wanted the timing to be different than he wanted. Yeah. And... So only then did I feel like I had to be patient. The rest of the time, by the time Robert said it's time for you to go, my response was, I don't want to. So I, I had waited so long, but my heart had gotten to a totally different place where it was like, I don't, I don't even want to anymore. Like that. Wow. Because I think when I was younger, I thought the call is what made me. The call is what defines me. The call is what makes me different. Yeah. That's not what Moses said. Moses said, because he had a call, bro. I mean, he he had a call call. Right. But he didn't say, what makes me different is your call for me. He said, what sets me apart from everyone else on the earth is your presence. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes when when younger leaders ask me, why, why, did, why is God making me wait so long? 
here's what I would say. Until somebody gets to the place like Moses, Scott, where they just don't care if it happens. Wow. Yeah. Then God goes, now we're ready. Yeah. But as long as I care deeply that it's got to happen and it should happen now, and I don't know why it's happening, all that is is evidence I've made the call an idol. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, people hate patience because they want what they want when they want it. Yeah. But is that how God works? You know, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Right. Everything I do is higher than your way, Preston. Okay. You've heard me say this. God moves excruciatingly slowly right. until he moves supernaturally quickly. Yeah. That's good. And, and a lot of the beauty in walking with him. And here's what you'll find. You know, whenever you, when God asks you to step into what's next for you that he's been preparing you for all these years, uh, you will probably find it's not as big a deal as you thought. Yeah. Because I think the enemy tries to come in while we're waiting. And um, whether we're waiting for a child for a long time, whether we're waiting for uh, a promise to be fulfilled, whether we're waiting for the call to begin when we're waiting, the enemy loves to come in and just say, Man, this is never happening. Yeah. And get you all stirred up and and then get you to to set it on a pedestal. You know, then he's really tricky when he comes and says, he gets you to focus on your call and says, You're you're so much different than everyone else. Yeah, for sure. You're so much better than everyone else. Your call is better than every and then you get cocky and Yeah, you just become increasingly more focused on me and what and, I've got and where I should be. And here's the deal. I mean, there's going to be a, a leader's cut later this summer uh, talking about this question. What if God never does it? Yeah, you've mentioned that a lot recently yeah, in I, like two or three different yeah. messages recently. Yeah, because I think it's an important thing. I, I think when we're younger, we just think if I don't do it, then I did my life wrong. Yeah. And I, I wonder, I'm not smart enough to know yet. I'm not old enough to know yet. But I wonder if that isn't in part the enemy messing with us to to because I don't think that's how God talks. If if I don't accomplish this, then I messed my life up. Because until I'm done, I don't know if that's actually what he wants. Right. It, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it looks like. But there's something to me romantic about getting to a place when you can say, you know what? Even though you've been talking to me about this since I was a child, even if you never did it. It wouldn't change what we have. Yeah. And I think that's when we move from patiently waiting to powerfully ready. Wow. Yeah. yeah, like just being obedient right now with with everything God's given you and doing what he asked you to do now. That's okay. So that brings up a Here, slide this a little bit closer just in case. That that brings up a good question. We good? There we go. Yeah. I think so. I think we're good. Just, uh, I don't, want, brings to, up I don't a, want to miss what you're saying. It brings up a good question then because you um Again, part of part of patience is we focus so much on whatever outcome. And again, that's that's assuming that we even heard exactly right. clearly to begin with. Right. You know, that's that's thinking that we have never made a mistake in hearing what I think God told me. You know, you you always say that like I feel like God said this, but right. never the Lord told me. You know, um, and I think even a part of patience is us like assuming that we get it right all the time and I'm waiting on the right thing that God told me and I might not have got it wrong. So what what is what does success then look like 
for a life, for a leader, if it isn't, if it's not like, it's not getting to this end goal. It's not, there's not this end result at the end. What, what is success then? And how do we, how do we kind of allow ourselves to just obediently follow the Lord today without this grandiose picture of it has to look like that, or I'm going to be disappointed or I'm be upset. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, and, and I think some of it is a setup. I, here's what success looks like to me. This is what I think scripture bears out obedience, obedience. And when we're younger, I think we, we think we know better. As we get older, we learn he's God and I'm not. And the best way for me to live my life is to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and to do everything he asked me to do. Yeah. Jesus said, if you love me, what? You'll obey my commands. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, that's part of love. I'll do everything he asked me to do. I, I just think we get so specific. Yeah. You know, we're, we're playing, I don't know if, if you remember this, if, if when you were growing up, uh, kids would play mash. With, they'd, they'd fold the paper yep. and, and play mash. And it was like this type of house, this everyone is so specific about what the future will look like, yet none of us know the end from the beginning. Yeah. Scripture also says, don't worry about what tomorrow will bring. Today brings enough problems in and of itself. Right. You don't know what's going to happen Today's tomorrow, Preston. Already. So don't say tomorrow I'll go here, here, and here. You don't know that. Yeah. And the older you get, the more you we realize, I don't know. Right, I have no clue. I have no clue. I wouldn't have even drawn this. And what have... really matters, what matters isn't that I do what I think I'm supposed to do. What matters is to the best of my ability, I do everything I do with him, even if that is nothing. Wow. As long as we do nothing together, I win. And yeah. if nothing is what he wants to do, are there not times with Audi that you guys are blowing and going, going 100,000 miles a minute? Yeah. And she says, you know what I want to do for Dayte? I want to do nothing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially with two little ones running exactly. all around. Sometimes you get to, the, we finally have those two, three hours to ourselves. And you're like, I just want to, <laughs> can we just go sit? Actually, we were talking about this the other day that, um, talking about what's our next date going to be. And it's like, what if we just made sandwiches and walked across the street to the park in our own neighborhood while somebody else watched our dog and we just sat there yeah. and did nothing, nothing. Cause it, there's something about that, yeah. but it's that that goes against our culture completely. But why is that romantic with your wife? but annoying with God. Well, yeah. Think about it. Let's go back to your calling. Anyone's calling. If God said, you know what I want to do for the rest of your life? None of that. Well, I want to every day walk across the street to the park, sit on a bench with you. Yeah. And do nothing. Why is it romantic? Yeah. With our spouse, but annoying with our God. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, there's been studies done even about like testing how long people can just sit and just be. And it's what, minutes, yeah. if anything, because we can't, it goes it goes completely against the culture that we live in now, which is hustle, which is grind, which is you have to have a goal. If you don't have a goal, if you don't have some end picture of your life, like you're missing it, you're behind. And I mean, that's that's what we're fed from from day one, kind of out, out in the world, right? You've got to, what are you going to do in five years? What's it going to look like five years? Sure. What's it going to look like 10 years? And it just is this increasingly more 
this increasing desire to design it perfectly right before we get it and why does doing nothing scare so many people when we talk about the calling if i never do the call if i do nothing in in regards of the call on my life because that's what god said he wants why does doing nothing scare so many people i think because we then assume if i do nothing that means i am nothing wow and so we hustle and we do all these things for god yeah without any thought whether or not we're doing it with him yeah and so we get all dialed up and and we think the best gift we we play mash with god and say this is how i give the best gift to you this 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 if i do right. this i build a big church i write a big this. book i'm gonna do yeah. all this stuff it's what the machine is and we're in a fallen world yeah it's a broken system the machine tries to get us all to go oh that will that's what will please god you do all of these things that i just preached it an hour ago you heard me say it yeah david told the lord here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna build you a temple and god goes no you're not and David celebrated in worship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, bro, it's an upside yeah. down kingdom. Yeah. And well, I think we, I think there's this weird assumption that we play a lot bigger of a role oh. in this thing than, than we actually do. Read like Isaiah I, 40. We don't, we're just grasshoppers. We don't do that. We're much. just grasshoppers. Even my, e- even my best attempts at producing anything fail in, in his sight. And I truly ultimately don't. I mean, he said, yeah, I, I created all of this. And you, sustained it you all. You didn't. You actually. I'm it holding it up with you. the It'll power of after. my command. Yeah. I don't need your help. So then how much more romantic is it yeah. that he would ever look at us and say, I don't need you to do any of this, but you know what I want? I want to do it with you. Yeah. That's what makes it special. It isn't the what that is so awesome. And when we're young, all we think about is the what. Right. What will I do? And when. But what and when. When when matters. <laughs> but we get so specific about what. What yeah. what will I drive? What kind of how? What kind of spouse? What kind of kid? All this stuff. Yeah. What doesn't matter nearly as much as who I do it with. Yeah. That's so good. You talk about okay, so you talk about I I have to ask this question. You can determine how much you wanna uh dive into it, but you talk a lot about this this moment when you were were first of all I've never I've never heard anybody um, talk about just even even as it relates to if I'm ever speaking or doing, did God tell you to say that did God tell you to do that that that's all that's really been one of the few uh, questions that you've even even asked me as it related to what I'm doing or how I'm doing. did God tell you to do it did God ask you to say it okay great if you don't know go find out. Um, and you talk about this time when you were 13, when the Lord just showed up and captivated your attention. What, what happened at 13 that you're like, I, all I'm just, I will do, I will do this. I will say this. I want to be where you are. Like it, it's, it was obviously such an impactful time, but since that time, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never, I've never seen you rush. I've never seen you like try to force anything to happen. And 
obviously something massive because again it's almost almost as a as someone like on staff sometimes it's frustrating right because like even i'm sure it is even we we did the we did the name change you know you'd have thought anybody else had a name change we got volunteers in the parking lot putting bumper stickers on people's cars without even asking about the name change we got you know the whole building is shifted and everything and i mean it we're sitting what are we nine seven months in we're gradually rolling some things out but it, it wasn't like it's hey we'll do it when God asks us to do it and only then what happened then? And has that, has that always been a value of yours since that day? Have you had to wrestle with that at all? Yeah. Great, great questions. And the answer would be no, uh, because it's two separate things for me. There's when I was 13 and then there is when I was hired at 21 at gateway and then being mentored by Robert, Robert's the one who taught me, um, did the Lord ask you to say that? Yeah. Did the Lord say that to you? Did the Lord ask you to do that? He's the one that taught me to literally not rush. Yeah. And that man, I, I have so many stories about, you know, that I remember as a younger man. You know, I remember when, when he was made for television. He, he's an amazing teacher and divider of God's word. He rightly divides God's word. And he, he was made to teach on television and he knew one day he would that that was part of the call in his life yeah and he went to his elders and he said it's time they said no he said okay wow and he just waited and so i mean i grew up under and and people from dallas would, would vouch for this i grew up under one of the slowest movers in the body of christ <laughs> over the last 25 years and yet things moved quickly for him because yeah. that's what god had for him but it wasn't because he moved quickly it was just because he was moving at the pace God was moving at. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and just didn't really rush things and force things. I think we get into so much trouble when we rush stuff and we force stuff yeah. because we're, we're frustrated with God because it's not happening when we think it should. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we force stuff. Uh, but going back to when I was 13, um, I, I would not put any, um, of the credit on on me uh for things starting at 13 here here's what i believe god is chasing every one of us and i i just think at 13 for whatever reason it hit me he he got me and i just Everything changed. You know, I wasn't perfect. I made tons of mistakes uh, all along the way. Mm -hmm. But the cry of my heart became him. Uh, and I didn't even understand it, but, but at the time, I was creating an addiction. And probably more accurately, it would be said, he was creating an addiction. He was creating my wow. addiction for him even at 13. Yeah. And I wasn't doing it because I thought, well, if I'm going to have to be a senior pastor one day at 13, he didn't tell me I was going to senior pastor. Yeah. That was when I was 18. Uh, and here's what I would say. I, I, my biggest fear as it relates to mankind and man's relationship with God is that man would not answer the knock when God comes to the door. 
Uh, some of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life were when God was wanting to have a moment hmm. and I was either too in a hurry or too focused on something else to answer the door. Yeah. Some of the wisest decisions I've ever made involved me pulling my truck over because he was knocking so strongly and so loudly. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm not smarter than many. I'm not a better leader than many. Uh, I'm not a better lots of things than other people. But one thing I have committed to do my whole life is to chase him and try and be obsessed with him. And I don't have a strategy. Yeah, I, I think we just get so strategic. And, and sh strategic is one of my top five strengths. It's so <laughs> ironic. But I don't have a strategy. How, I, what, 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 when you are created to follow, why do you need any more strategy than just following the pillar? Yeah. Well, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this and this and this. No, I, if that's where he leads, then that's where we go. Yeah. But if he doesn't, how stupid would it be, Isaac, for me to do something he doesn't ask for? Think about it like this. If he asks me if this is a location he wants me to go to and I say no and he is in that place and saying no means I go this way. What sense does it make, even if this is awesome and it's the right. dream and desire of my heart? This is why Moses said, but if yeah. you're not there, here's where you'll find I'm me. Going. Yeah. Yeah. Almost, when Moses says that, one of the things that I love, I mean, you've mentioned that, mentioned that a lot and that obviously, especially just even a part of the series that we're in is, is such a huge portion of it, but it's the almost the dumbfounded like oh, I didn't even know that that was I didn't even know that you not going with me was was even a possibility I'm uh, yeah absolutely not <laughs> I didn't even I didn't know that these things could possibly dis be disconnected you know and I think that's just so beautiful his his pursuit and that at the end of the day my one and only desire is I will be where you are and that's it you know I think the the interesting thing you, you know, no strategy. I think that's, um, that's been something for me that's been, that, that's been a challenge. Cause I very much am, you know, per perfectionist, we'll call it whatever it is, but it's okay. I want to, I want to steward this well. So then we try to over strategize something to mm -hmm. try to get to where, you know what I mean? And we, we could see just how much our hands are involved in it when really his hands are the only ones ones that matter how have you kind of held intention stewardship but i i don't i don't want to be more involved in this than i than i should be i want to steward what you've given me but i don't want to i'm not going to strategize it how, how are those two things different for you and how have you held that kind of intention yeah i i think uh there are responsibilities that come um in everything god asks us to do yeah. So if he asks us to do one thing, well, there might be 12 different responsibilities that come with that. And so what I would say, anytime I'm fulfilling one of those responsibilities, I am being true to what he asked me to do. I'm, yeah. I'm giving it to him. And so sometimes that's sit in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's lead a certain group of people. In different seasons, it's different things. Um, 
but I'm I'm just going to tell you this, and and I I get I'm I'm not out in the business world and you know all of that stuff, but I'm telling you, if if we serve the God who said the number one thing I want is for you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then I'm convinced that it works anywhere and everywhere at all times yeah. with any person. If I had to pick between being the smartest man in the room or being the most obsessed with him in the room, I think the journey, now think about it, if I were the smartest person on the earth, there'd be a lot of uh, financial uh, benefit that would come with that. Right. I mean, there's a lot of notoriety yeah. and fame that would come with that if I were the smartest person in the world. The challenge is, okay, so if I'm the smartest person in the room, or in the world, everyone sees it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm the most obsessed with him in the world, some will see it. Mm-hmm. Probably not the majority, but he will see it. And if he sees I'm the most obsessed with him on the earth, here's what I believe. I will always see his response. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that really mean? Seek the king of the kingdom. Yeah. What is the kingdom? The king. <laughs> yeah. It's the king is the kingdom. Seek me first. Yeah. And then all these other things. And I, I really think when when the Lord gave that, I think it was like this. You know. Yeah. All these other things. Which seem like such trivial, a big deal. All these other yeah. trivial. All these other things in comparison to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll give them to you. So I, I just think if, if, if we can endeavor um, to hold that tension, I want to fulfill my responsibilities, Yeah. but I never want to make the responsibilities that come with doing what God asked me to do to become more important to me or more essential to the call of God in my life than the God who gave me the call. Yeah. And I, I understand not everyone would, would say that. I told it, well, Preston, we, you know, that's not going to work out in the world. Who said? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting, that's an interesting, like who's, who said it, who said that and who said it had to be that way. And who's, who, who is saying that right now? Right. Well, that wouldn't work, but who, who talks like that? Right. Is that how God would talk? No, never, never. And he actually promised the opposite. If right. you'll put me first, you'll see my response. Yeah. Okay. So what is it we all want? If it's success, then go do strategy. Strategy, a yeah. good strategy will bring some good success. I, I'm not anti-success, but I have seen success get in the way of intimacy. Right. Yeah. This like this worldly uh, definition of what success, what sex, Isaac, success think about it with me money, whatever. Let me ask you, and I want to hear your, your honest answer. Forget about the camera <laughs> and all these people. I grew up in the mega movement, yeah. mega, mega, one of the fastest growing churches in America. That's where I, I was raised in ministry. Um, the guy who led it was the guy who mentored me. And, yeah. and many, 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 many private hours of learning and being taught by him. You might be able to say he prepared me to be able to do something like what God asked him to do in the event that God would ask me to do it. 
And here would be my question. What if the reason, what if God said to me, Preston, you're never going to lead a church bigger than, let's say, 1,500 people? Because anything more than 1,500 people would ruin what we have together because you couldn't carry it. Wow. Isaac, would, would everyone in our world think I was a success? No, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a church that size, but you know, in the mega, yeah, yeah. mega movement. Yeah, yeah. Most people, you know, when I was growing up, 2000 was a mega. Well, now it's at least 10 and probably yeah. 20. Yeah, the number just continues are the to megas. grow. Yeah. Yeah, now with online, it's like, uh, how many you got yeah. there? I mean, it's. Yeah. Right. So would most think I was a success? No, mm. probably not. But what would be wrong with that? What, what would be wrong if he said, Preston, you couldn't do both. And I'm so obsessed with you. I'm not going to give you one just so that I ensure that I have the other. Wow. Yeah, nothing. I mean, that's, if that's not what we're, if that's not what we're doing anything of life for, we've got things out of. Out of whack. So sure. then here's my question for you and those in your generation. So then why are we talking so much about doing big things? Yeah. I remember, I remember you told me, you told me, cause I, you know, especially, I mean, I'm still, I'm still young, still trying to figure things out, but it's, I remember when I first got here, I had, I had come out of this, uh, just phase of life where everybody's big dreams, have big dreams. I even had a mentor tell me, I said, I want you specifically big dreams and you said hey stop everybody's got everybody and it was just this hey stop trying to you, again you're just you're you're setting yourself up for failure by trying to pre-design what god hasn't allowed you to see yet and one it's not going to look like that second of all just it's going to look better if his hands are on it not yours mm -hmm. you know that was such a huge and, and that that hurts initially like the, i think that's part of the it it hurts to hear sometimes initially like that gut punch of oh st hey stop trying to your pictures are cute but they're not they're not his or they're not him um and i think that's one i think one of the hardest things is letting go of that picture that i think it could be or should be or uh, why is the picture so important why do you think yeah, I mean, I, I why think, do you think we we make the picture so important? I think it gives us a level of uh, comfortability and and ease. Like we know, I think our much of our life is trying to figure out what do I not know so that I can know it, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. And there's a level of if I can design it and I can my hands are on it, like I know where I'm going. I don't have to trust. I don't have to. Good, got it. I know where I'm at. You know, um, and so letting go in a lot of it, letting go of that picture, letting go of that massive, uh, massive, it doesn't mean the dreams are bad. It just letting go of this massive big dream that I think I've constructed in a lot of ways is, is letting go of all sense of control that I think I had to begin with, but never, never really actually had, uh, in my life. And it, you, you're in this place where you legitimately have to trust God for every breath, every minute every hour every day you know and you really are you're, you're put in a position where the only thing i have 
the only thing I can trust God with is right this very second because it's the only thing that I've got. And that's a scary, I think sometimes can be a, can definitely be a scary place to be. Um, and so we hold on to, we hold on to so much and the more I can design it and the more I can, it also puts me in a position when I hold on to things, it's, it's nice to talk about with other people because you can project that you're a lot better off right. than you really are. You can hide behind uh, the amount of hiding you can do behind big small, dreams. small people can hide behind big vision. Yeah. And it's, but if it, God hasn't anointed a person to do it, yeah, there's nothing more miserable than trying to do something big when the big thing God asked you to do seems small to everyone else. Yeah. There's nothing worse than trying to be the opposite of what God asked you to do. Here's another thought I have as you're talking. It's a pretty tough way to try and live my life. If the only way I can live a life without worry is to learn so that I know, so then I don't have to worry anymore. Yeah. Because scripture says, don't worry about whether or not you're going to have enough clothes or enough food. Mm -hmm. See your father care for the sparrow. See your father care for the flower in the field. Does he not clothe the flower? Yeah. Preston, why would you worry? Anytime I experience worry, I know I'm being picked on. Because hmm. here's what I would say. The, the, one of the easiest ways to understand what God is like I think is to look at a good parent and their children. When a child is four and they just don't know enough about how the world works and how much yeah. money the world takes, when your daughter is with you, she's worried about nothing. Absolutely nothing. Someone at school can be picking on her when she's with you. She's worried about no thing. Mm -hmm. When she's sitting having ice cream with you. She doesn't have a care in this world. No. Why? She's with you. Yeah. There are a lot of questions in this life I can't answer. But when I can't answer is how, for me and my house, we're going to combat worry. You're never worried with daddy. Well, yeah. don't worry about anything. But pray mm -hmm. about all things. What is prayer? Preston, come to me. Come talk to me. Yeah. Come sit with, with me. me. You're not going to be worried about anything. Mm -hmm. Are any of my problems going to seem big to you, Preston? When I give you a moment where you lift your head up and I remind you <laughs> how big I am. No. Mm -mm. I think, though, at least for me, in the times past, um, when I experienced worry and fear, it in part was because there was too much distance between me and him. Oh. Look at fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. The closer I am right. to the one who is love, he casts out all fear. Yeah. So if I'm afraid of something, it's just evidence there's a little bit of distance between me and him that he doesn't want. Yeah. And worry always comes with fear. The two go hand in hand. Yeah. You know. Well. Yeah, I think that, so, how, I think one of the interesting things about obedience, because you talked about patience, define it for me again. Obedient waiting. Obedient waiting. Okay. Patience being obedient waiting. I think a lot of 
um, sometimes there can be a lot of even even flinching as it relates to obedience. Do what I say. Do, you know that's how we we hear it. How you know we generally hear it through the lens of how we had heard it before. Um, how, how can somebody fall in love with just obedient, obediently waiting on the Lord more daily yeah. today? Yeah. Well, you have to change the way you see obedience. And a lot of people see obedience as some divine command from a distant God. Yeah. And I think personally, probably one of the best ways to see obedience is like this. The God of the universe is asking me to do something. He's not asking anyone else on the earth to do. So when he, here's how I hear it. Preston, there's something I want done. And I could ask anyone to do it. The creator of the universe. Yeah. Preston, will you do this for me? That is totally different than the improper, in my opinion, way to see obedience. Do this for me now. Right. That's, that's not how I see obedience. Mm -hmm. Nor is that how I think God talks. Right. It's, hey, Isaac. There's something really hard that I want done. And most people would tell me no. Will you do this for me? Wow. Yeah, that changes it. That changes it big time. So, I mean, think about it. How special could a person feel if every day of their life, the creator of the universe dialed them up and said, Hey, can I can I get a favor? Yeah. That's how I see obedience. Yeah. Now I don't think it's a favor, but I mean it's it's that's yeah, the yeah. vibe. Right. That's the, hey, the hand up. Will, will you do this for me? Yeah. If, if my son dialed me up right now and said, Hey daddy, can you do this for me? Absolutely. He's a teenage boy. Right. 17 years old, bro, going through the independence. Yeah. If he asked me, if he's like, Daddy, I can't, I can't do this, but I need this done. Can you do this for me? I would feel special. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that changes that changes everything about again patience and how I see today and how I'm waiting on. It's hey, t God, if you if you ask me to do that, great. But like, whatever you tell me to do today is the only thing that I'm focused on, and I'm gonna do that. And then the next thing that you ask me to do, I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna do that. But so often we get the one glimpse or whatever. Like, okay, I'm. We almost shut ourselves off. I'm not doing anything else until that happens. Till the big one. Till yep. the big one. Right. You know, and it's just this, and we miss so much of the in-between, of the growth even yeah. that God has for us, of the sweet little messages, the sweet little Absolutely. moments. We miss all of it. And think about think about it like this, through the context of marriage. If, if I said, I'm not doing anything Holly asked me to do until sex. Yeah, that wouldn't. If sex is the big thing, right? Yeah. If, if that's the one thing I want. We're not doing anything. I'm not doing anything you asked me to do until right. that. Okay, question. Number one, <laughs> how much sex are we going to have? And number two, how's that going to go? Yeah. Is that, is that going to negatively 
impact our intimacy? Oh, absolutely. Of course it is. Why? Love runs on sacrifice. Obedience. God literally said, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, but that doesn't mean sacrifice is bad. Right. What is obedience? Willing sacrifice when God asks for it. Right. That's what obedience is. Yeah. It's special when he says, hey, Isaac, will you do this for me? Even if what he asks for is, hey, things aren't quite ready yet. Yeah. You're not quite ready yet. And others take matters into their own hands. Yeah. And try and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Isaac, can I, can I make a big ask? Will you wait for me? Would that change yeah. the way oh, for sure. your generation sees waiting for the baton? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Waiting is only, it, it absolutely would. Cause I think, I think the way that we see waiting right now is it's waiting for that massive thing. That's the only thing really that we're, we're actually waiting. Right, but that's what scares me because what for. that shows then is that everybody thinks their identity comes from what they do. Yeah. Rather than the one that wants to do it with them. Yeah. I, that that's a dangerous way to see myself. Yeah. Well, and, and God never God very rarely, I won't say never, but very rarely is going to tell you how long he wants you to how long he wants you to wait. And we live in a culture right now, this hustle culture, this uh I was telling you that one of the one of the you know, coolest blessings of the culture that we live in now is there's opportunities everywhere. There's endless opportunities. Also, one of the worst things about the culture that we live in right now is these endless opportunities because mm-hmm. it causes it causes um, just this flippant way of living. This, ah, if they if I'm not getting it there, I'll just go somewhere else. There's another there's another stage. There's another mic. There's another opportunity. There's another job. There's another something somewhere, and it just creates this. Okay, cool. Like almost in a, in a lot of ways, it, it it's call it disobedience, but it's just, I'm, I'll do anything to not have to wait or persevere or go through any sort of trial or testing or growth. I'll just go find something else, you know? And so patience is very much this, this obedient waiting isn't even something that, um, one, we love to do, but two, that's- But what a stupid way to live life. Oh, absolutely. you know what I'm saying? But yeah, you like just this. bounce from you, thing you, to thing. You drive a, a suburban. You mm-hmm. have you have a suburban. Would you feel comfortable and safe driving that car if it were never ever tested before you drove it? And I don't just mean your car. That that suburban yeah. went through so many crash tests, right? To make sure that if someone hits you that your children don't lose their lives. Yeah. But the only way you can drive that car knowing we're safe is how? Because it's been tested. It's been tested. It's it's even it's been crashed a handful of times and then they put it back together, rework it. Tweaks are tweak made, it, make it better and then send it back out there to do it again. So someone's going to tell me, yeah, that waiting is wasting? Bro, This this is why David said to Goliath, hey, I have seen the test before this one. I know I'm going to pass today because I've been tested before with the Mm -hmm. bear, with the lion, 
I saw what God did then. I'm going to see God do the same thing. Yeah. He was tested right. while he was waiting. Yeah, that test gave him confidence to take the next one. And to but how many one. of us are so ready for the ultimate test right. that we skip 10 grades? So you schmooze your way into to, you know, the doctorate level. Yeah. You lie your way in. You do what you have to do. You hustle your way in. Mm -hmm. But you did not get the necessary education, education that comes with testing in order to do what must be done at that level. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I think this brings up a good a good uh point because obviously there's a difference between there's a difference you talk a lot about this, so I'd love for you to talk more about it, but there's a difference between opportunity and assignment, right? There's opportunities everywhere, mm -hmm. but there's an assignment God's given you. And there's a there's a lot of times where we we skip over that or we miss that or or we almost don't even we miss the assignments because we're just flippantly out here looking for opportunities because we want to show something or we want to produce something all the while not actually not actually what what happens a lot of times, we'll go take a bunch of other little tests that we know we can pass that we know aren't going to actually because it's going to make us look good or whatever all the while the one God's asking us he's assigned us to take we won't actually step into it yeah so here's what i would say what what is an opportunity what is an assignment okay what is an assignment here's how i define an assignment an opportunity with oil hmm. because of obedience that's what an assignment is god asks me to do it he gives me the oil to do it and i obediently say yes to doing it that's yeah. an assignment What's an opportunity? It's a moment of time with no oil. It is um, a chance to do something without being asked by God. Mm -hmm. So I have no oil. Opportunities have no oil. Yeah. They don't have him. I'm not doing it with him because he didn't ask me to do it. Right. Okay, so what do opportunities get me? I'll tell you what opportunities have gotten me in comparison to assignments. Yeah, Opportunities have gotten me embarrassment. The times I forced something when God didn't ask for it, yeah. opportunities, I was always exposed. Yeah. Assignments, you can go force an opportunity right now. But assignments take a while to receive because yeah. you have to show yourself faithful. Well, yeah. He only gives an assignment to someone who's passed the prerequisite test. Well, an opportunity? You can go make an opportunity happen today. You could go start a church today. Yeah. You could go create the opportunity to senior pastor today. But here's what you need to know. If God didn't say it's time, you will have no oil. Yeah. You're not going to have his pleasure. He's not going to be present. Yeah. Because there's something he's asking you to do, and he's standing there going, I want you to do this right here. So if you go away and go do something else, he's not in that. Yeah. I'm not going that direction. Okay. Yeah. So why is everybody convincing themselves that opportunities, I'm, I'm just waiting for my opportunity. 
Yeah. Just making it happen. Those are two phrases I hear a lot. Right, right. I'm waiting for my opportunity. I'm making it happen. I don't want either of those things. <laughs> I'm not waiting for my opportunity. Yeah. I'm waiting for my assignment. Right. And an assignment is something God asks me to do and anoints me to do. Yeah. Assignments always come with anointing. Yeah. And then when you and then when you do those, when you step into those assignments, then even though even though maybe pace picks up, it doesn't look like you're rushing. Because I'm just following exactly where he's asked me to go. Yeah. I'm just doing exactly what he's asked me to do. Yeah, when, I, when I was younger, I used to get so excited about opportunities, you know, an opportunity to preach, you know, to the whole church. And I would get so excited. And, and here's what I learned. Only get excited over the oil. Yeah. Don't get excited about opportunities. And here's... To me, the most dangerous person is the person who says yes to any opportunity they think is good without first checking with God. Wow, yeah. Opportunities very well can be assignments. A, a good opportunity that is actually an assignment is an opportunity, an assignment I don't see coming. Yeah, yeah. So it can happen, but how do I know an opportunity is an assignment when God says? Check it with him. That's yeah. right. So opportunities, like I, 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 that's just not the way um, I really talk at this stage of my life. Yeah. Um, and it's probably because I'm just a little more settled at 45 to go, opportunities don't define me. And yeah. I live in, an, in a day where everyone's impressed with people who get opportunities. Yeah. You know what I get impressed with? People who steward assignments well. Yeah. That's what impresses me. Not people who get an opportunity to sing on some big stage and then are never heard from again. Yeah. I look at that and go, either God just asked you to do a one-off that was fun or God didn't ask you to do it. Right. I'm not really into one-offs and I'm not into doing anything right. that God doesn't. Right. Like, yeah. I'm out on both. So opportunities really aren't for me. Yeah. I need to be ready for any opportunity for because any opportunity yeah. could be an assignment. So I need to be ready, but I don't need to obsess over opportunities. Yeah. I think that's readiness is, is one of the keywords that stuck out to me there too, is, is the, the assumption that we oftentimes have this assumption that we're ready a lot, a lot sooner than we actually are. Um, or we think we're the ones that determine when we're ready, not the people that either God's put over us or God himself speaking into those situations, you know? And so we're, I'm ready. And we try to try to force that next. That's when the, just making it happen because I'm ready for it, you know, only to realize that it will be the thing that crushes you, you know? And then you, can I go back to when I didn't? Right. Can I go back to when I was dumb and didn't have any clue what was going on? Right. What, what have you, what are some of the biggest, um, what are some of the biggest dangers to, we'll call it, impatience just in your life that you see some of the biggest warnings that you would give for people that are just not willing to be patient yeah that just that think that they've got to make it that they've got to make it happen um that that they've waited but now it's time that they get involved what are some of the biggest those biggest dangers yeah i, I would just one of the questions i would ask someone like that is how did david learn how to become israel's greatest king he went through a process that involved not being on anyone's radar for a really long time. Yeah. 
And if being on the radar is someone's obsession, they're, they'll be willing to crash. I mean, it, it, now we live in a day where the whole any publicity is good pub publicity is right. actually a thing. Yeah. Think about how shallow that is. All I care about is that you just know my name. Yeah. Even if I'm doing the most me. stupid, ridiculous, saying the most inflammatory, as long as you know my name. Right. That, that What a waste. Right. Because you're going to have 15 minutes of fame and then the rest of your life to yeah. be a nobody. But you got to be a somebody for 15 minutes. I would rather be prepared for decades to be a somebody God can use. Yeah. Than be a somebody for 15 minutes because I forced the hand. Yeah. And so I would I would ask, how did David become Israel's greatest king? Not named Jesus. Bro, he, he wasn't even invited into his own father's house to be put in the lineup to see if he would become Israel's next king. Yeah. His daddy didn't even bring him into the lineup. Wasn't even in the room. Where was he? In the field. In God's process. Yeah. He wasn't even in his own father's mind. Wow. But he sure was. But he was in his father's mind. <laughs> he was in the field of anonymity. Yeah. He was being fashioned. So yeah. then what happened? He goes into his father's house. Samuel says, is this everybody? And Jesse says, well, there's the runt. David comes in. That's the one. The horn of oil is poured, poured over his mm. head. And scripture says, from that moment, moment forward. forward. He didn't just have the Holy Spirit. He had the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit. So I, I just think we, the, the savages are the ones who are not bothered with being overlooked. Wow. David was overlooked forever. Many, many years. Yeah, we're still talking about him. Yeah. And he's been gone for many, many years. But if if short-lived fame is your thing, you'll you'll leverage everything to get it, convincing yourself. And and the enemy is absolutely involved in that whole thing. Yeah. If you sure. just if if you can just get in the door, it will all change right, for you. Not if God doesn't walk through the door yeah. with you. Yeah. If it's not an assignment, there's no oil for me to do it. Right. If you had to open the door, he's the one that opens. The door. Buddy, I'm I it's just not gonna go well for me. Yeah. So I would rather be in hiding with him. Yeah. Knowing I'm being prepared for them. Yeah. Than force my way into their feed. Yeah. And not be ready to speak in his behalf. Wow. I think one of the things that on that note, just even as it relates to this pursuit of fame, one of the things that you you told me early on here is is even even when you're on the stage, there's only one human. There's or there's only one person's eyes that you're looking. At. Only one person that matters in that room, and that's his presence. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and again, just to think that this there's such this pursuit to get as many eyeballs on me as possible. And I want to gather as much attention. And yet even like the longer that, the longer that you live, the longer you go, like, I mean, the continual, I mean, even, even tonight you're like, 
sometimes I don't even want to like, the only thing I want to do is sit with him, mm -hmm. you know, and to think something that, that we tend to glamorize and force and chase after you get there and you're like, actually, there's only one eyeball that, that really matters in this, in this whole thing. And that's his. Yeah. I, I just, I think the more insecure we are, the more we need everyone else to affirm us and the more secure we are, the more comfortable we are being hidden in him. Yeah. And one of the ways you know you're comfortable being hidden in him is when you feel uncomfortable when you have to be before them. One of the hardest parts about my job is everyone watching. <laughs> it's, it's one of my least favorite parts of, of my job, but it is, a, it is one of the responsibilities right. that comes with my job. Because the best part of my job is I get paid to work for him. Now, I would say that's not just because I'm in vocational ministry. Yeah. Every one of his children is a minister. Right. We are a part of the family business. Yeah. Anything God asks us to do is ministry. No matter what it is, business, mm -hmm. banking, fashion, media, church, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's all, if God asks for it, it's ministry. Yeah. It's the family business. And if, if we do it, when he asks, it will grow his kingdom. Um, but here's, here's what I'd say. When I was younger, I was so insecure. I needed the compliments of man to bring me confidence. Well, wow. and he, as I've gotten older, I'm now to a place. My confidence comes not in the affirmation of man, but in my proximity to God. Well, wow. that's why Goliath had no chance mm -hmm. because God was with, with David. David. And so my, my most confident moments are when he is closest. And my least confident moments are when he is furthest. And, you know, Moses and Aaron is a pretty good picture. Uh, Moses was up on the mountain. Yeah. The best thing he could do leading God's people was be on the mountain with God because mm -hmm. that's what God wanted. What was going, down, going on down at the base of the mountain? Aaron started putting the people before God. Yeah. How do we know? He gave them what they asked for. Right. Rather than what God asked for. I've, I've tried that. It didn't work well. I didn't sleep well. Yeah. And I don't want to live like that. Yeah. I, I am a simple man. Yeah. I want my life to come down to this. Him and whatever he asked me to do. And if that means I foster a four-year-old and it's something I never imagined in my wildest dreams I, I would do. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember the second time Holly and I were at a movie and I, I went into the bathroom and I'm standing there and I, I felt the Lord go, out of all the places he could talk to me about this, <laughs> he goes, would you do this for me? And I can't even mimic the tone in his voice, it was the sweetest, most romantic request I feel like he's ever issued to me. Well, 
And my response was, you know how I get when you talk like that. Yeah. Like, are you sure? Because this is not something I ever would have, have asked for or done. But if you ask for it and you ask like that, mm -hmm. I'm going to see it totally differently. Wow. And so I'd just say, I mean, the sooner a, a child of God can get to the place, Isaac, where they're not thinking about everybody else. Mm -hmm. My most miserable seasons of life are when I thought about everybody else. Yeah. The best seasons of my life are when I thought about him most. Yeah. I think one of the dangers that I think of is Romans one when it says, and they were given over to their desires. It's scary. That how much I would long to get there, that I would do anything for it, and that God would actually That's a bar. Let me Okay. That's what you want. But yet just waiting obediently. And sitting with him. If you go, I go. If you don't, I don't go. That's the. Because I was going to ask, how can somebody become more more patient? But you, you kind of hit it a handful of times. But I think that's the. I'm not. Well, I'd say there's an easy way to the, be patient. You know what the easiest way to be patient is? Not to talk about what God isn't talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See that? Because you. You say that about. When, immediately when you say that, I think of when you told Pastor Robert, this is what's in my heart. I will not say another word about this. I will not. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will talk of this no more. Right. In fact, you're going to have to force me to do this again. And a decade went by. And, and then he does bring it to you. You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't actually right. want to go do that. Um, but why? But why? Why did I do it? Why did I say that? Because I knew the Lord said, submit this to him. Yeah. Okay. So the, I felt the Lord say, I want you to do this. Mm -hmm. Tell Robert about this. But Preston, I'm not going to talk to you about Scottsdale for a really long time. Oh. Well, then why, if he says it that clearly, why would I talk about it? Right. Why am I going to talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no point. That'd be like going on date night with Audi and being like, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this, this, and this. And there's something she really wanted to talk about. Right. And it seems like a great day. You feel like it's going well because you're going to talk about all the things you wanted to talk about. And she has that really disappointed look in her eyes. Mm -hmm. She's just waiting for you to be quiet <laughs> so that she can talk to you mm -hmm. about what she wants to talk about. Things just usually go better. Yeah. When I stick to his script yeah. rather than write mine. If you want to talk about it, talk to me about it. But and I, and I have to say things like this. I got you know you know this. We're trying to go through this this building process. You know, Lord, is that what you want? And here's what I'm saying: If you don't want it, then don't say anything about it, because I don't want to focus on something that you don't want to do right now. Yeah, I know we're gonna have to be in a forever home at some point, Lord. But if you if you don't want to talk about it right now, mm -hmm. please just say, no, not now. Because I don't want to waste my time yeah. talking about stuff that he doesn't want to talk about. So the easiest way to be patient, don't talk about the things he doesn't want to talk about. 
And, and be at ease. Be at peace. Be at peace. It's not time. Yeah. And the worst thing I could do is try and talk about it like it were time. Because wow. that's just going to create hope that has to be deferred. Yeah. Hope will always be deferred until it's time. Well, if hope deferred makes the heart sick, don't think about it so much. Yeah. Well. Well, I yeah. I love the I love the whole conversation. I love um I think you're a phenomenal leader the way i describe you uh, and have described you for a long time uh, if you'd want to see what little boy david was like before anybody knew his name mm. just watch isaac and here's what i would say to you for you the more comfortable you can get being you no matter what everybody else wants you to do thinks you should do the more sure you are that he is with you and the more sure you are his hand is on you the more settled you can be that until it's time mm -hmm. i don't want it to be time and with that time you can allow god to do the divinely supernatural surgical cuts yeah on your heart that will have you prepared for goliath mm -hmm. but the best part about this i think you will look back at this season of your life years from now and probably what you will enjoy the most is that you got to kill the lion and the bear and no one even knew about it yeah well because once Goliath goes down, there's an expectation. Yeah. You'll kill him every week. But one of the most beautiful things about the field of anonymity, hmm. and that's where I believe God has all of us until it's time. Yeah, He covers us up. That's what love does. Until I'm ready, it covers me up. Hmm. Don't even let me be seen. Because if you let me be seen, then people will expect it's time. Right. One of the best things about the field of anonymity is it's just you and him. Mm -hmm. Writing songs, learning how to throw a rock, talking, killing lions, mm -hmm. killing bears. Only the enemy would say, that's a waste of time. Wow. But the God of the universe says, this train is right on schedule. The lion's gone down. Now we go after the bear. I have all the respect in the world for you because I know uh, seven years. I mean, running with me, I say this, running with me is not easy. <laughs> it's, it's not. Set in a handful. <laughs> yeah. But running with me is not easy. Not because I'm like some, you know, punk jerk or something. No. I'm determined to try and pay the highest price. Yeah. Well, you don't let, you don't let me hide. Or you don't, you know, you don't let me hide or s scoot around anything. It's, hey, we I, need to talk about this. I love you, know? you too much mm -hmm. to let you go through God's process for anything less than yeah. full price.
Because when we pay the full measure, yeah. we see his most full response. Wow. And the reason I have respect for you the way that I do is because I know some things have not been easy. Mm-hmm. I think you know someone understands the scope of their calling based on the hard things they submit to doing. I'm not talking about with man. I'm talking about with God. Yeah. You know someone understands there's a God-sized call when they're willing to do the hardest of things. So my my thing is, as you get older, I just, I'm going to enjoy watching you see God's response. Yeah. Because all this time, while the enemy would try and convince you, you've been wasting time. And I'm, I guarantee you, we don't talk about it, but I guarantee you, you have friends who have run past you. I've experienced it. How can anybody run past you, Isaac, if the pace at which you are living your life is the pace God has set for your life? Yeah. How can anyone beat you if you're running at God's pace? Yeah. No one can. <clears throat> it's not that kind of race anyways. Right. Your race is your race and not anybody else's. But I will enjoy, as, as you get a little bit older, I will enjoy having a front row seat to watch you see God respond to all of these years. Yeah. Not just these seven, but the years before. Yeah. Working graveyard shifts. Yeah. And being in ministry. Mm-hmm. Lots of hard things have been done. The wisest thing one can do is keep doing them. Yeah. And let God take care of the timing. Because if you'll do it when he says, he'll give you a reservoir of oil you've never been allowed to access in your whole life. And yeah. you will say, it was worth the wait. Yeah. I love you, buddy. Thank and you. This I was fun. Too. This, this was neat to get to do. Yeah. And you're gonna be you're gonna be preaching a couple of times over the coming weeks. Big, big move for you and and uh, that the Lord would ask you to do that. Yeah. And and trust you with that. Such a special thing. Yeah. So I'm excited for them to get to see a little bit more of you and God moving and speaking through you. So Yeah. I'm excited for it too. It's gonna be good. Well, we uh love spending time with you. It was neat to have Isaac here. I love you so much. I don't tell you enough. I love you so much. And one of the ways you know I love you is I keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not going to lie. There's other things. Uh, not that this isn't important, but the reason I and we do this is, is really simple. Of course, it's because you matter, but it's really bigger than that. I've seen the way he looks at you. Hmm. He's my best friend, and I watch him as much as I can, and I've caught him looking in your direction with a look on his face that I love to see. And so anytime he asks me to do something that involves you, I'm excited to do it based off that one thing. I see how he looks at you. That look is an obsessed look. So this is why I love getting to do this with you because I never know 
how he's going to step into our time. So I want to pray uh, and just ask the Lord, uh, not just uh, to speak to you through this, but to shape you through this, no matter how old you are. God, thank you so much for every person watching this right now. I thank you for Isaac and how you used him and moved through him during this time. Lord, I thank you for every person on the, the other side of this camera. God, you have each of them in a process. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be so present with each one of them that time would fly. But while it flies, they would be found stewarding it well. There's no way to ever do well with the giant if they don't first go through your process with the lion and the bear. So God, would you minister to each one of them, comfort them by your Holy Spirit with the peace from the Prince of Peace, that if they will just move at your pace and do everything you ask, everything is going to be fine. God, over the next seven days of their lives, I pray each of them would partner with you and see a bear go down while no one's watching. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you so much. Can't wait to see you next time. God bless you. See you next week.